Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, when this this story broke yesterday, actually a listener sent it to me when it as it happened. I thought, no, nah, it cannot be. We can't be blowing up all over the show. Again, we've just uh, barely, we've not even barely, we're nowhere near even having sorted out the last two issues. But five people have been hospitalized after a fire on a gas line in Joburg CBD. A fire broke out near the Nelson Mandela Bridge in Johannesburg CBD on Tuesday afternoon. Workers had been performing routine maintenance on a gas pipeline. Egoli Gas has confirmed that this was an isolated fire on its a pipeline. Joining us this morning, Stanley Bezodenhout. He is a director at IBF Investigations. Stanley, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Harry. So, firstly, I think this is we should stop meeting this way. This <laughs> so I was just going to say, it's, 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 it's now enough. I mean, it's all very nice and lovely to chat to you, but can we stop doing this? It's, it's, it's insane. What is going on in the city of Johannesburg? Well, you know... Let's start with the, with the problems because obviously, you know, talking about the things that go right, let, let's just put that aside. Luckily, no, no lives were lost this time. Yes. But already the city manager last night at six have reported that there were no injuries at all. Mm-hmm. But they are contradicting news reports that say five people were in fact injured. He also said that we will now deploy uh, ENS every time that we work on gas lines because apparently this was preventative maintenance. That concerns me. Why did we wait until now? Why are there not existing protocols in place? Anybody that works in the gas industry, anybody that works with gas supplies, anybody that works with dangerous chemicals will typically have training, qualifications, experience, and protocols. And it concerns me that we have this rash of gas-related incidents everywhere suddenly. Now, I can tell you that it's kind of, Unnatural, but also normal for trains. You might remember there was a time when there were a lot of bus crashes. Then mm-hmm. there was a time, you know, and you are you serious? Get a That's so interesting. Yeah, it is. There are trains. I mean, uh, it, it happens, but at the same time, it could be because everybody's focused on it, and for some reason, right, right. we do influence uh, the reality. But what worries me more is, and I, and I can't say that I'm right, but I, I've looked at the photographs and videos doing the rounds, and if I'm correct, it looks to me like the fire department has connected water to fight this fire. That concerns me because this is called a Class B fire, and the appropriate compound to fight a gas fire with is either AFFF or aqueous film forming foam, or a powder compound so that you can you can suffocate oxygen away from uh-huh. the fire so that you can stop right. it. But here we are talking about, and I see hoses lying in water all over the road, etc. So now the next question is. Are we responding in the correct way? Now, maybe they did, but I see no photographs and no videos showing any foam being sprayed onto the area or any foam lying in the area. Maybe it's dissipated. Now we open a new door. Now we shouldn't be investigating why fires happen anymore. We should now be investigating why fires, especially gas fires, are not being avoided. And here's the thing that concerns me. If you're doing preventative maintenance on a gas line, why would you not do it with a line cut off? If there's a supply there, if there's gas, and you're going to be opening any of the of the containment infrastructure, surely you're going to have a leak. Now, there are three risks that come out of that. The first is actual uh, toxic intoxication or, or hypoxication where a person inhales the gases and becomes, you know, able mm, to or mm. potentially even passes away. 
The second is that it moves into the area and is exposed to a flame or fire source away from where you are working. And the third is that it enters again the sewage or the sewerage system and runs into different parts of the city and then we might have a repeat of the incident we had where our street was blown up. So I'm very worried about this trend and I really think that it's scary that we are acting reactively and kind of mm. crisis managing mm. this. I can't well, understand well, well, it's more why than that. It's, from what you're saying, it's two aspects. One is if the lines were turned off, there'd obviously be less chance of this type of in- incident. So it's preventative. It's the knowledge going in. And then you are saying there's some concerns about maybe the training of our firefighting capability because surely every situation should be assessed before you just start throwing water or whatever you, you have on it in in order to uh, to to curtail it, so it's yeah, well, about yeah, two yes. things. Here's a protocol that should be followed. The first thing that a responding emergency service does is they do a scene assessment. The minute that's done, they establish a safe perimeter. They they evacuate the area. Then they notify other or additional emergency services. They isolate and control the source. They suppress the fire. They bring in protective equipment for the people there. They evaluate and rescue. You evacuate and rescue if necessary. They then ventilate and monitor. The utilities are shut off. They unify their commands. They contain and mitigate the problem. And then there's the debrief and investigation. So what worries me is that we have these things happening. We have emergency services being praised for their response. I'm not saying that emergency services are not you know, absolute heroes in what mm, they do. Mm, no, of course but not. You can only you, you can only praise a person for responding when that person has received all the training, all the equipment, all the procedures, all the protocols to support them in that duty. I mean, if you look at the fire up on the N1 towards Polokwane, where the truck exploded full of full of uh, uh, explosives and, and detonators and whatnot, their firemen and people were, were unfortunately killed, which tells me that the evacuation was never done because they were so close to the actual blast radius that it was a risk to them. So, yes, they are. Heroes. Yes, we are proud of them responding, but how do we know we're not sending them into a dangerous environment where their own lives are at risk? So instead of praising them, we should be questioning ourselves. What did we do to ensure that they were properly equipped? Were they even equipped with AFFF to fight a fire of this kind? Or were they simply deployed, they got there, to get by on what they did, threw water on this gas flame for as long as they could until, you know, they basically ended the, the fire or perhaps shut off the supply? And, and my concern is that it, it seems literally too willy-nilly. It's almost as if we're waiting for things to happen and then saying, mm. going on television and saying whatever it takes to sound like we were doing the right thing. And the easiest, the, the cheapest commodity we can buy in an event like this is to praise the emergency services. The the concern for me as well, and, and uh, it, it alludes to what you were saying in the beginning, why is this all happening? Is there, does one unstable situation precipitate another one. In other words, could the gas explosion that we saw uh, with those mad scenes a couple of months ago, could that have destabilized it, the the area to allow this type of thing, for example, to happen? I, I, I know obviously the fire of last week has nothing to do with that, but but do we, does, does one unstable or one event potentially precipitate another one? That is the question for people that will come 
long after us. You would be surprised to hear that on a full moon night, there's actually an increase in incidents. I'm talking about crashes, etc. It makes no logical sense from a scientific perspective. It shouldn't be that way. But as an example, I myself have attended seven, five crashes and seven drunken driving incidents at the same scene at one time within a three-hour window. It's just insane the way things go sometimes. You have these trends developing, and it's almost as if uh, when the minute something comes into the hearts and minds of people, it's like other people become less careful mm. or people, mm. I don't know, I can't explain it, but definitely there's a trend, and I'm telling you right now, if we use the evidence we have in hand, the illegal occupation of buildings, the need for necessary um, maintenance on non-gas infrastructures, the constant fiddling on the system, because it's not one moment, it wasn't a repair, it was it was preventative maintenance. If we combine an illegal uh, you know, use of gases and chemicals, if we combine these risks and we multiply them by the possibility of how much of it is out there, I predict, as I have with some of the first incidents, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to think, on, on Carte Blanche, I said this, I said I predict more incidents of this kind because we're a reactive nation. We're not big on safety. We're not big. As an example, we had the, the fire of the Vodacom building in Cape Town. Mm. In that incident, um, there were people that we had access to and said, listen, let's go in and do a proper evidence preservation exercise. Let's create a full 3D model of the incident. I'm still waiting for answers. On the fire in Johannesburg, I've been in contact with some of the senior officers at South African police and said, why didn't we properly capture the evidence so it's preserved for a court if it gets to a court? In South Africa, there's not a culture of preventative mm, care. Mm. In the U.S., for instance, we did what are called tactical risk assessments on buildings. That included the full mapping of the building. building. So if anything happens there, you have the power of hindsight. You could go back to the physical building and review it physically the way it looked before it was damaged to properly investigate and analyze those infrastructures. That's not a trend that exists in South Africa. Yeah, we're just uh, li- quite literally putting out fires. That is uh, where we leave it. And uh, that, of course, uh, was Stanley Bazodenhout. He's a director at IBF Investigations, chatting to him again about yet another incident in the city of Johannesburg at 7 o'clock.